Hey, it's Pete. I had the pleasure of having another financial coach, Philip, on with me because Philip has a unique side hustle that actually dovetails nicely with financial coaching. So if you are in the world of personal finance and like side hustles, then this one might be of interest to you. My conversation with Phil about a side hustle in finance. I am super excited to have you with me, man. It's good to see you again, but maybe I could just have you introduce yourself here and where you're at and what brought you into financial coaching. Sure. My name is Philip Gutierrez. I am founder of Reach Your Goals Personal Finance Coaching. I am pursuing my AFC. I'm an AFC candidate. And I got into financial coaching just because I wanted to help other people get out of debt with budgeting and setting goals. So I had this idea of a, a movement of uh, AFC potential candidates where they would consider being a seasonal tax repair. And the AFC pushes the VITA, the Volunteer Tax Assistance Program. But for me personally, I was a seasonal tax preparer at a, a local tax office. That was one of those seasonal ones that's open from January to April. And I originally was doing it to get some one-on-one -on -one client experience, get comfortable with being in that role. But there were some other benefits that were also takeaways. And so just some things to think of. So you basically get paid training on taxes. And for me, it was very little cost to get into becoming a tax preparer. I think it was $100 or something like that for books. And then other than that, I had to get a PETIN. It's like a, a PIN number that you have to get. If you're doing taxes for compensation, you need a PIN number. by, And you need that the by the December 31st of the year uh, before you plan to prepare your taxes. So $136 in and I'm getting trained on how to do taxes. And that's tax education elements that I can bring into my practice. And that's also some demystified taxation for me for a couple of areas like investments and real estate and small business taxes. Those things, I had no clue how they worked. But after doing taxes for three years, if someone came in with a brokerage account or if they came in with a, a Schedule C small business, I was comfortable doing those taxes. So it, for me, being a small business owner now, it demystified that and made it a little bit, brought some clarity on that. But Can you so explain what the tax preparer role entails on maybe how it's different from some of the other terms that we use? And I generally will use tax professional, but we obviously know there, there's a CPA, but then there's the preparer. And so can you explain what the differences are? Yeah. So the tax preparer, they're going to do an interview with you. Most likely you'll fill out some a sheet about your basic financial situation and it'll be like a checklist style thing. But then that's usually followed up with an interview of some sort. So they're trying to tease out from you what types of other tax credits you might be eligible for, or deductions you might be eligible for. For example, you might ask whether you have any kids that are in childcare because there's a childcare credit. Or you might ask whether you have any student loans that you're paying interest on or any tuition that you paid this past year. The same kinds of questions you'd go through if you do taxes on TurboTax. And basically, it's a bunch of questions that might not be relevant to you. But if they are, then they're leading questions to other um, types of deductions you might be held for. So the tax preparer is going to interview you and then uh, make sure based on how you filled out your checklist that you have all of the forms that you should have in having answered the questions the way you did. So if you say you're getting pensions, they're looking out for the 1099 forms that would be for those pensions. Or if you said you did a, a 401k rollover, they're looking for those forms. And so the tax preparer will then generally just up input that stuff into the computer and the top tax software does most of the work. 
but it's trying to make sure that you have all of the forms that you need to have entered in, into the, the system so that it can do an accurate text. And, um, and so do you find yourself asking a question about, hey, yes, well, we did pay some student loan interest, but they don't have the form and you're waiting for that form to come back and then you'll input that number into that there? Okay. Yeah. And, it's, and sometimes you'll go out and you'll just flip the computer around and let them log into their student loan account and pay it off for them. Part of the service that you provide as tax preparer is to help them track down some of those things. Sometimes it's a former employer. They, they don't work for them anymore. They have no idea how to get a hold of them, um, but you know that they were paid with ADP and it's an ADP employer. So you can go on the ADP website and download, the, have them log in and download their W-2 form. And then how far along in the tax return process does the preparer go or be responsible for? Did you go through and actually submit it? Are you the person that signs the preparer's uh, area of the, the form? Yeah, there's a separate a signature line down below for the tax preparer and your PETIN that you have to register for actually goes to the form so they cannot all tie it all back to you. Um, and then I was working for an organization, a local organization that would oversee the filing of it, but they were electronically filed by IRS through their tax software. And I think VITA would be the same way. But what about liability for the preparer as you're going through this and you're relying on them answering the questions correctly and knowing what they have? And I've certainly talked to some people who came back and they were like, I don't understand why I got this letter from the IRS. I owe money, but because they earned money, they had an actual W-2 from somewhere that they lost or misplaced or whatever and, and didn't get in there. Oh, but what kind of exposure do you have as a tax preparer or anyone as a tax preparer have to accuracy? Yeah, I think if you were doing it independently, then that would definitely fall on your own shoulders. For me, I was working for an agency. We they kept those um, checklists so that you see who's at fault. If they if you said you had three employers but you only produced two, you could tie it back and see who was at fault for it. But the company that I worked for was really good about handling any of those letters from the IRS. So they would cover the difference if the tax preparer was at fault for it, and they have they have insurance to cover that sort of thing. They don't need to rely on very often, hopefully. But they'd also go to bat for you on certain things that the IRS was maybe challenging you on. I know the manager at the, the branch that I worked at would go down to the IRS office and actually meet face-to-face with someone and kind of argue the merits of why they included the deductions they did for a small business. And so there's some of that's built along in the price that you pay for that service is you, the expertise and you're also getting the one-on-one assistance if you should get those types of letters. So you work for a larger tax agency as you're doing this. Is that something that you would recommend that doing it under the umbrella of someone else's organization is a good way to go? So for me, I, look, I didn't realize it at the time, but the hours that I did tax preparation, they counted towards my AFC certification. Mm. So I'm already 500 hours into my 1,000 hours that I need. But by doing it with the organization, it offered flexible hours so I could work on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And it's a great part-time flexibility there. It's a short-term commitment. So I know from January to April, I might not have my weekends, but April will come at some point. And 2020 ended up stretching out to July, and this year it'll be May. But usually it's a very defined time period that you're actually committing. Gotcha. So were you doing this mostly in the weekends or evenings, or did did they let you decide? Yeah, I was the weekend guy. And I think I I did two two days a week, one year, one day a week the other year. So I do maybe... Tuesdays and Fridays, and then the weekend. And then one year I just did, I think, Fridays and the weekend. So just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And are you a contractor? Are you an employee? Well, are they paying you by the hour or by the job? How does that work? 
as a representative yeah, of an agency? I think it varies in terms of what kind of bonuses you might be able to get. So I was paid hourly. And then there were some that will pay a very small percentage of how many people you help. And so I think it's just trying to incentivize you to try and help more people or if it's trying to get you to go faster or if it's trying to compensate you for more complicated returns. If someone comes in and they have one employer and no other c- deductions, that's a very easy uh, tax return compared to someone who has rental property and investments and owns their own business and all that loaded into one. That's a much bigger job. So some do compensate based on the work effort that you put in as well on top of your hourly wage. And then for Vita, I think it's just volunteer. You're not compensated anything. It's just to help people that meet that certain income threshold. Yeah. The organizations that you'll work with to become a tax preparer for, are these the large name brand national organizations? Are these usually more local? Is it both? Are there some things that you should consider about uh, trying to get affiliated with one or the other? Yeah, I chose a local one. It is a national brand, but it's owned by a particular household that's maybe owns five or six locations. So it's like a franchise, I believe, technically what it is. And I liked it because the atmosphere was a lot more laid back. If you're comparing it to an H&R block, it's the atmosphere can be very professional. But so the local one was more relaxed, more friendly with your clients that are coming in. They would give back to the community. And so there were just those kinds of benefits that for me were appealing. But you know, I, I know people that have worked at H&R Block that really love doing taxes. They realize that they actually are like math geeks about it. And people where I worked were the same way. There's some people that just, they love the problem solving. You have a mystery walking in the door and you're solving the mystery. And when you're done with that client, you finish the puzzle. And there's some reward to that, that. There's some level of satisfaction that person's return. And then there's the kind of the personal aspect of it too. You've helped somebody out, you made it, you've found money for them that they didn't know they were due, but there are some turnoffs too, I guess some, I, I should mention too. So some of them have some fees that are in excess of what you think you would pay for tax preparation. And some of them have some add-ons that you have to sell that can get salesy. And so that can be uncomfortable if you're not if you're not used to that sort of thing as well. And then also you have to be the bearer of bad news sometimes. There's some people, they'll walk in and you tell them you owe $20,000 and they'll say, oh, is that it? There's other people you're like, yeah, it looks like you owe $1,000 and they're just devastated because maybe they had something planned for the refund or they don't know how they're going to come up with $1,000. So that's the negative, but just wanted to mention, it's not all rosy there. There are some things you have to also keep in mind. So it sounds a little bit like it's not just labor. It's not just the fact of doing the work itself, but there are some times when you will have to uh, do some coaching, some selling. And, and I, I think that's a something that's important for people to realize, especially as they're thinking about a side hustle or additional income. Some people just do not want to do the sales. And I started out that way. But if you are willing to do that, I think it does open up the doors for a lot of people. In terms of the experience of being there with the client, are you answering a lot of questions about what the tax law is? You do usually on a typical engagement are a lot of people saying, Hey, can I deduct this? And what's the rule and what's changed with this and that? Is that something that happens a lot? Yeah. I was a tax preparer when they made the big changes to the standard deduction where they doubled it. And there were a lot of people that didn't quite understand why they couldn't itemize or why it didn't matter how much they paid in mortgage interest anymore. Cause there's some people that they'll never itemize again based on that, how that's been restructured. But yeah, it's a lot of education. That's the way that I did it anyway. I would show them what their tax rate was and I could show the actual tax brackets. 
I could explain to them why they're being taxed more this year compared to last or how it varied from year to year. But that was just what I brought to the table was just educating them, answering questions about what's deductible, what's not. So is this uh, something that you mentioned January through tax to the tax deadline? Was this where all the work is done and then you basically have the rest of the year off? Is this very seasonal or is there some lead into some of the other things like small businesses and some of the other uh, seasons as well? Yeah, there are some businesses that always, they schedule an extension to and push it out to October. That's pretty common. If you have bookkeeping experience, that's where it usually can extend throughout the entire year. You're helping the small businesses with their bookkeeping. And then when tax season comes around, you just do their taxes because you already have all their books and you have kept them up to date all year long. But in general, there is some access to tax questions throughout the rest of the year. Maybe in August and you're thinking about selling your house or something like that. You could call somebody up and ask those types of questions. But in general, for actual just the prepare, usually it's seasonal. It's just until April 15th. And then you celebrate that you made it through the tax season and look forward to the next one. Yeah. What kind of people are looking for the services of a tax preparer? I know a lot of people will do things online. And I'm always maybe surprised by some of the people, like you said, have very simple taxes and will still use an in-person professional versus some of the people that have some very complex things and try to DIY it. Is there a type of tax filer that really gravitates towards the preparer, the in-person preparer? Yeah. If you're not sure of what credits you might be eligible for, I would say it wouldn't hurt to, to speak with a professional and just get a grasp on what types of things you might be eligible for that you wouldn't otherwise know. The, the tax code is very lengthy. It's confusing. For me, it was good to get my taxes done for free, being a tax preparer, and it gave me the confidence that I could do the taxes myself in the future. But for some people, it's just a matter of getting it done once by someone and then following the path that they took thereafter, if, if everything's staying the same. My opinion would be that if your taxes are really simple, like you just have a single employer, you don't have any kids, you don't have any student loans, there's, there's things that you don't know. But if you have very simple taxes, I think you could probably do them yourself without involving a tax preparer. But what might you be missing? What are those little credits and deductions that you're not aware of? That's where consulting a professional could help you tease out the special considerations that apply to you that you might not otherwise know. In, in general, how are you interacting with people these days, especially the ones that you're working with? Are you doing some virtual work? Are you still going to uh, people's places in this current environment? Yeah, I think it's been more of like a drop off, limited contact arrangement this year. I know with Vita, they're doing the same thing. You might have one interview right before you, you drop off your paperwork. You have one little interview and then you come back a week later and you schedule your next meeting to go over the results. And so rather than like sitting there, waiting there, having it done right in front of you, it's not any fun to watch somebody type a bunch of numbers into a computer system anyway. So. It's being done where you're having the least amount of contact as possible, but not so much virtual. I know there are some organizations that can probably accommodate that with Zooming and, and things like that. You could have the interview over the computer, but I haven't seen that comment in the marketplace. Maybe there is an opportunity there to, to do that. So a lot of the stuff you're actually get, you're collecting on paper, I should say, it sounds like you don't necessarily have to anticipate an hour long personal 
interaction to be able to prepare this. You're collecting all their stuff and then getting it done for them. I appreciate that because I love side hustles. I have been not secretive about the fact that I've tried many over the years. I love the idea of side hustles that fit into the financial space, especially since that's my background. And so I think a lot of those things pair up and I'm looking at some of the side hustles that have to do with real estate as well, because that tends to be some of the finance focused types of stuff, what's required around the mortgage loans and credit scores and stuff like that. But this is a great one. I appreciate you bringing this up because obviously I know that tax preparers are around. This has been a, a large industry for a long time, but I have never met one to be really honest. I've done my own taxes for the most part. Or in the past, if I haven't, I've used a CPA when things got really busy, but that's expensive. It's expensive and it's not getting cheaper, I would say. And so it sounds like not only is this something that some people should think about as a consumer filing the taxes, but as financial professionals, we can get more people in there helping more people as well. So that is really awesome. Thanks for sharing that in opening up the doors to that. I want to thank you for coming on. You are a financial coach extraordinaire, someone who is living, breathing what they are doing and helping people. And I know that you have been working with some people to get their finances squared away, to get their behaviors changed. And if you want to reach out to me or Phil, I'll put our contact information in the description below. Mm -hmm.